Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale man, Earnhardt Jr. Episode Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. You the podcast. This is America. We are Thor Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun midweek episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, of course, presented by our partners at Bedfred Sportsbook. Here's what you need to know about today's show. Uh, last week, I think we started terming the Wednesday show, the wide open Wednesday. Go a little different. Do something different. It's not quite recapping the weekend. It's not quite previewing the weekend ahead. So what we will do on today's show is pretty straightforward. It's the middle of the week, in the middle of October, in the middle of the college football season. What better time to give out some midseason college football awards? I'm going to give you my midseason best team, my midseason Heisman, my midseason coach of the year, my midseason most disappointing team. Hint, hint, it's Texas A&M, don't tell anybody. Uh, and I will, of course, give you my midseason college football playoff and national title picks. From there, we'll take a quick break. We got some major news in the coaching carousel world. Matt Rule fired from the Carolina Panthers on Monday. I tell you, yes, he's going to be paid a lot of money to go away. I tell you why I believe that this guy is perfect for one college football opening job. We'll talk about that. And then we'll wrap just with a little tiny nugget in college hoops where Oscar Sheboy, we found out that he will undergo a minor knee operation. John Calipari says that it'll only take 15 minutes Uh, I am not worried as somebody who has had actually two knee surgeries, high school football injuries, no big deal. Uh, I tell you why, I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Kentucky fan. By the way, speaking of Kentucky hoops, we are going to really ramp up the college hoops over the next few weeks. We've got some cool stuff going on in Aaron Torres Media, so make sure to pay attention. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, as I just said a moment ago, today is Wednesday, October 12th. By definition, that is the middle of the week in the middle of the second month of college football season, which means that we are literally at just about the halfway point in college football. If you think about it, most every team in college football has played six games at this point. Not everybody. Few teams had an early bye. Most teams have played six. Most teams, half of the schedule is already done. And so because of it, this feels like a good time to go ahead and go through and give our midseason – College football awards. Why not, right? 
What else are we doing on a Wednesday in October talking college football? By the way, Friday, well, Thursday's show is going to be really good. I got some preview stuff that I think you're going to enjoy. But today what I want to do is focus on the midseason awards in college football with the emphasis being on the things that we would normally talk about. Best team, Heisman, uh, Coach of the Year, Surprising Team, Disappointing Team, all that good stuff. We'll break it into two parts and I will give you all of my midseason college football awards. Let's start with, drumroll please, the best team in college football through six weeks, and it is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship. There's a difference between best right now and who I believe could be best later, and I'll give you my final four college football playoff picks in a minute. But at the same time, I do believe if we're talking about the best team through six weeks, I think it's Ohio State. I don't really think it's debatable. As we talked about on Monday's show, just look at what this team has done. Just look at who they have done it against. And I know the schedule hasn't been great, but to me, this team is deserving of every accolade they've gotten and actually many accolades they have not gotten. As I said on Monday's show, this is probably the first time in my life that Ohio State is actually underrated really at any point, but especially the midway point of the season. Are you kidding me? This might be the best team in college football. It feels like everybody's talking about Bama. Everybody's talking about Georgia, some of the other off-the-beaten-path teams, USC, UCLA, Tennessee. Where's the respect for the Ohio State Buckeyes? So first of all, when it comes to Ohio State, uh, why I think they're the best team right now. One, the offense is as good as advertised, and I think you can argue it's actually better than advertised. So they are currently the number one scoring offense in college football, just under 49 points a game. The number two total offense in college football behind only Tennessee. And oh, by the way, it's important to note, they are doing it without two of their most important skill position guys. Remember, we talked about it on Monday's show. Travion Henderson, star running back, freshman record after freshman record a year ago. He's been in and out of the lineup. Now, he's played a lot, but he has also missed some time early in the season with nagging injuries. He did come back for that Michigan State game, and he was awesome. But then when he came back, Mayan Williams, the backup who was excellent in his place, he went out with an injury. So you have those two. Oh, by the way, you have a guy named Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I truly believe to be the best wide receiver in all of college football, he basically hasn't played at all this year. Started that Notre Dame game, early strong start, hurts his hamstring, tries to come back too early, isn't at 100%. Ohio State's going into a bye this coming week. And obviously my hope, like everybody else, is that the bye allows this kid to get healthy for the back half of the schedule. And so I know the, the, the schedule hasn't been good, but when you look at the offense with the defense, I mean, the defense has been, that, that's the part that why I believe Ohio State is the best team in college football right now. Because when I look at Ohio State, we knew that offense was going to be good. We knew it was going to roll. The question that we had coming into the season was how good would the defense be and would it be better than last year? Because you can win a lot of games in the Big Ten with that offense, but there are going to be those two, three, four games a year where you need your defense to make stops, and last year they couldn't do it. Well, so far, so good. If you remember, they went out and hired Jim Knowles, the former Oklahoma State defensive coordinator. This was a guy that had Oklahoma freaking state uh, in the top five nationally in total defense. They were literally a yard away from making the college football playoff last year. And so this guy comes in, and the defense has been phenomenal. The talent is always there, but as we talk about all the time, and as we're going to talk about in a minute with Jimbo Fisher, coaching is about marrying talent with what you do and putting players in the best position to succeed. It's great if you have talent, but if you don't put players in positions to succeed, none of it matters. Ask Texas A&M. Ask Miami, who I think is a plenty talented roster. Um, 
you know, ask whoever. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. But at the same time, at the end of the day, that's what this Ohio State team has done. The talent was there. Now the results are on the field. Top 10 defense nationally. And how about this? They held Notre Dame to 250 or so yards in that win early in the year. They held Michigan State last week. How about this? 202 yards of total offense for Michigan State, under 300 yards for Wisconsin. So the three best teams that they have played so far, they have held under 300 yards. Now, what did I just say? Three best teams, Notre Dame, three and two, Wisconsin, three and two, Michigan State. I think they're two and three, two and four. I don't even know. I think Wisconsin's four and two, by the way. Uh, four and three. No, they're three and three. I'm getting my, my records mixed up. But Wisconsin's three and three. Michigan State is two and four. But at the same time, I get it. If you are a Georgia fan, if you're a Bama fan, I know we got a lot of Bama fans that listen to this show. You're sitting there saying, Torres, they haven't played anybody. And I get it. It's going to take time. We will see just how good this team is when they play Penn State, when they play Michigan later in the year. Heck, they play Iowa. I don't think Iowa's good, but Iowa's got dudes on defense that can slow you down if the offense, uh, you know, if the offense, uh, no matter how good your offense is. And so when I look at Ohio State, I do understand that their biggest games are ahead of them. But as I've told you many times on this podcast, what do I always say? My old radio partner, Arnie Spanier, he always told me, he said, Aaron, the show is tonight. And what that means is I got to base my opinions off of what I know right now and what I know right now. Ohio State is the best team in college football in my eyes at the midseason point. With that said, let's keep it going with my midseason Heisman. And drum roll, please, this is going to be a shocker. It's Andon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback. And so, again, not really a big surprise if you listen to Monday's show. And it was ironic because I think I actually talked about it in the UCLA segment of the podcast where I talked a little bit about UCLA. And I said, I don't think Dorian Thompson Robinson should be the Heisman favorite right now. I do think he should be in the top three, maybe with C.J. Stroud and certainly with Hendon Hooker. And so when I look at Hendon Hooker's Heisman candidacy, remember I said that last week, the Hendon Hooker Heisman hype. Quadruple H there. Forget Triple H. How about the Quadruple H? Hendon Hooker Heisman hype. When I look at the Hendon Hooker Heisman hype, and I'm not going to say that again because I'll trip over and embarrass myself. What I see with Hendon Hooker is two things. I see the two most important variables to becoming a Heisman Trophy winner. He has displayed them at the midseason point in college football. One, incredible stats. I mean, this guy has just been absolutely incredible. Midway point of the season, 1,400 yards passing. Uh, 10 touchdowns, no uh, one interception, if I'm not mistaken, one interception for Hendon Hooker, um, 14 touchdowns, 70% completion percentage, and I am an idiot. No interceptions. I don't know where I came up with one. I thought he might have had one late against LSU or something. No interceptions, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 70% completion percentage. He is phenomenal in the pocket, and as I mentioned a few weeks ago, he had his best rushing game in a game where his team needed it. 112 yards rushing, one touchdown against Florida. So Hendon Hooker has these stats to get me to believe that he should be the Heisman favorite. But here's the other thing. What is the Heisman, maybe more than any other award in sports, what is it really about? It's about you got to have the stats, but it's also the story behind the Heisman. We love a good story when it comes to the Heisman, right? Listen, Joe Burrow would have won the Heisman if his name was uh, Mike Smith and he was a five-star that never transferred, right? 
But we love the idea. He's from Ohio State, got beat out for his job, goes to LSU, uh, adopts, you know, the, the, the program adopts him. He's coming out in the Joe Burrow, B-R-U, B-R, the E-A-U exit the end. Like, like we loved that story. We loved Devontae Smith as a wide receiver a few years ago. How can you not love Hendon Hooker's story? 24 years old, was at Virginia Tech, basically told he's not good enough at a school that wasn't even very good goes to Tennessee, doesn't even get the job at Tennessee. Remember, Joe Milton won that job out of camp last year. Waits his turn. He's patient. His number's called against Pitt, and he basically has not given up the job. And what I think about with the Heisman is you have all those elements. And then here's the other thing, right? When a team, I don't want to say Tennessee has risen out of nowhere, but when a team kind of sort of comes out of nowhere, what's the deal? The deal is usually because of one player that we kind of wrap our arms around, right? Again, Joe Burrow a few years ago, Johnny Manziel the year that he won it. Um, there's been others along the way. Even Manti Teo, who finished in runner-up to Johnny Manziel that year. It was like Notre Dame was awesome out of nowhere, and Manti Teo was making plays every single week. Well, if Tennessee continues to win, if they continue to be at the top of the sport, Hennon Hooker is going to be the story, right? Hennon Hooker, 24 years old, backup quarterback, this is my midseason Heisman, not just because of the story, but because he has the stats. But I'm telling you, he's an easy guy to root for. Um, and I think it's going to continue. Certainly, we'll learn a little bit this weekend with the game against Alabama. If, if it doesn't go well against Alabama, we'll obviously reevaluate. I think this guy's going to put up stats against everybody all year. It's just a matter of does Tennessee continue to win to keep him at the front of the Heisman board. Quickly, and we'll take a break. I do want to give you my national coach of the year. And surprise, surprise, it is another Tennessee Vol. It is Josh Hype. Well, I've talked about him a lot over the last couple, uh, really probably two, three weeks after the Florida game, after the, um, after the game on Saturday at LSU. I don't think people fully appreciate what this guy has done, okay? So first off, just what he inherited, the mess that he inherited at Tennessee. And let me even go back before I even say that, because I want to go ahead and give my, myself a little slap on the wrist, slap on the face and say, Torres, you're an idiot. And here's why. When you look at the Josh Heupel story, I have to admit, one thing I do on this show that I think you guys and girls respect, when I get something wrong, I own up to it, okay? And you go back to the day Josh Heupel was hired. I have not deleted these tweets. I have not taken down the podcast the day after he was hired. I said point blank. I said, I don't like the hire. The AD, Danny White, came from Central Florida. Josh Heupel comes from Central Florida. This is just an AD getting his shot at the big time, and he's bringing his buddy along for the ride with him. And so you talk about an all-time where Aaron was wrong. Well, I, I was dead wrong because Tennessee is 5-0. and They're in the top 10, and they're doing it. Your offense, I understand this guy's an offensive savant. Your offense isn't supposed to be this good this fast. You go 7-5 and last year, number one offense in the country in college football through five games in the SEC. It'd be one thing, again, if he's in the AAC at Central Florida – if he's uh, in the Mountain West, if he's in the co in conference, you say if he's in the Big 12, if he's in the Pac-12, like if Lincoln Riley went to USC and had the number one offense by year two, I don't think anybody would be shocked. But part of that is he's playing Oregon State and Arizona State and Colorado. Josh Heupel's doing it against Florida, LSU. Obviously, the biggest games are still ahead. But even if Tennessee doesn't win them all, which I don't think we expect them to, they've moved the ball on everybody since he got to this conference. They moved the ball maybe better than, uh, uh, against Georgia last year than anybody other than Alabama in that SEC championship game. So I'm stunned at how quickly it's flipped. 
And now you're playing complimentary football, just good enough defense. And the defense was awesome against LSU the other day, by the way. They really get after the quarterback. I know the pass defense isn't where a Vols fan wants it to be. But I'm telling you, this is an incredible story. And I don't think people appreciate just how down this program was when he got there. I've mentioned it a few times, but it's worth mentioning again. Remember, when he got to Tennessee, the transfer portal had just become a thing. Jeremy Pruitt gets fired. What happens? They lose their top two running backs to the portal. They lose their top wide receiver to the NFL draft, Vellis Jones, who's playing very well. They lose their top, their starting two offensive tackles to the transfer portal. Best two linebackers, including, including Henry Toto, who's coming back with Alabama this week. They lose a starting safety. And so you look at everything that they lost, and they're now 6-0, 5-0, I should say. They did get a buy already. They're 5-0 going to Alabama or hosting Alabama, top 10 matchup. I'm sorry. This is one of the best stories in college football. And as of right now, Josh Heupel is my national coach of the year. I just want to do, do you want to take a quick break? Do you want to come back? And when I come back, we are going to look at the rest of the midseason college football awards. I'm going to give you the biggest surprise, the biggest disappointment, the most interesting story I don't think enough people are talking about. And then I will give you my college football playoff picks and my national championship pick. We will take a quick break. We will be right when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at Chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. Listen, I've told you all about Betfred. I've told you that they st- were started in 1967. 
in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, one of the most reputable, well-respected sports books overseas. And now they have come to the United States and made a huge splash. They are our presenting sponsor. They are the gambling sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and more important than anything else, they do more for their betters than anybody. I told you last week, we gave away four VIP tickets to two listeners in the Denver area to the VIP tailgate on Thursday, Thursday night football, Broncos, Colts, courtesy of Betfred. On top of that, they've had bar crawls in Arizona, the Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games, first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. You want, you know, you just want a great customer service experience, great betting experience. You want to download the Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. And here's the great part. They have a special promo right now just for any listener of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here's all you got to do. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet $50 on any college football game this weekend, any pro football game this weekend. Tennessee, Alabama, um, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Utah. Bet $50 on any game. Get two get bet fifty on any game. Get two fifty in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. It is the best offer going. We are so excited to be working with them. Here's the great part: we're gonna have another boost later this weekend as well. Thank you to Betfred. So happy to have them as our presenting sponsor. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's keep the conversation going on the college football uh, midseason awards. I want to keep it going. We obviously talked Heisman Coach of the Year best team prior. And what I want to do now is talk about the team that I believe is the best surprise in a good way. The biggest surprise in college football, but in a positive way, right? There's a lot of negative surprises. We're going to talk about the most disappointing team in a minute. But to me, the biggest surprise in a positive way, you know, Tennessee's probably in the running. We're going to skip them because I just talked about them with Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel. So I'll go to the opposite coast and I will go with the UCLA Bruins. And what's surprising, what's interesting about the UCLA Bruins, I actually like them in the preseason. I think I probably like them more than just about anybody. Uh, Jacob Hester, my buddy from Baton Rouge, host on Sirius XM, he loved them. Me and him have talked many times about why we like them so much. Uh, and in the preseason, I said, I, I love their over-under win total of eight and a half. But why, so I like them coming into the season, but why I think they're the biggest surprise, let me tell you why. I thought they'd win a lot of games. But I thought it would be a certain, you know, that Chip Kelly, old school, you know, run the ball, a million plays, beat you to spots, all that good stuff. What I saw on Saturday was one of the toughest, most physical teams in college football when they played Utah. And I know they play on the West Coast and they're California and everybody's in California is soft and they hang out on the beach all day. I get that. I know that's the narrative. You know how I know? Because Oklahoma fans call Lincoln Riley Tebow. That B word out West, T-B-O-W, T-B-O, okay? So I know what the national narrative is, but all you had to do was watch UCLA on Saturday against Utah, and you're like, oh my goodness, they get after it. They are physical, they are tough, they are mean along the line of scrimmage. 
top 15 run offense in college football. Uh, and you look at what they did against Utah, right? Utah is a program that has built its brand on physicality. They punked them at the line of scrimmage. 203 yards of rushing offense against Utah. Utah was giving up about 120 per game coming in. So they I don't want to say they quite doubled it, but 80% of what Utah was giving up, they, they, they basically had 80% more than what they were giving up. And this is a team that has built its brand on physicality and toughness. So listen, what is the future of UCLA? I don't know. But I think because of the way that they play, they're sound on defense, they get after the quarterback, and they're really good in the trenches. I think that travels everywhere. Now, we're going to find out really quick. They have a bye this week. Next week, they play at Oregon. I think you can argue Oregon might be the second-best team in the Pac-12. Nobody's paid attention to them since the Georgia game, but I think they might be the second-best team in the Pac-12. We're going to learn about UCLA then, and then, of course, late in the season, they host USC in the Crosstown rivalry. Those are the two games that are going to determine, does UCLA play for a Pac-12 title? Does UCLA go to the Pac-12 title game, as crazy as it sounds, with a potential playoff spot on the line? If they're 12-0 or 11-1, they very well might be. I obviously don't know what the playoff picture is going to look like, but I think it's very possible. It starts with Oregon after the bye, then USC. I think they match up really well with USC, not totally sold on Oregon, especially in Outson, but that will be a story to watch. With that said, let's switch gears and get to the most disappointing team in college football through six weeks into week seven, mid midseason awards, and I guess this isn't really an award. It's the Texas A&M Maggies. Now, I think you can make an argument for Oklahoma. I will give my boy Brent Venables, who I loved in the preseason. Now I'm just totally out on him. I think he's just not the guy. I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass because it's year one. Now, I don't think the excuse of, all oh, Lincoln Riley left a dumpster fire, I, I don't buy that at all. Because Lincoln Riley's completely flipped USC in the same amount of time. But I'll give Brent Venables a pass because it's year one. If Brent Venables is doing this in year five, like Jimbo Fisher is, then I think we have a problem. And so when I look at Texas A&M, they are by far the most disappointing team, even with Oklahoma in the picture. And it's for a few different reasons. I came up with three real definitive reasons why I believe Texas A&M is the most disappointing team in college football. One, the win-loss record. I mean, we, we, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't got to be Trent Dilfer breaking down film all day to just look at the win-loss record. You're three and three. Now, you could argue maybe this was a little bit of a tougher portion of the schedule. Um, and you look at the wins – Miami and Arkansas don't necessarily look as good as they did previously. Uh, Arkansas, we all we know what happened in that game that allowed Texas A&M to win. The doink off the top of the, of the uprights. But then that win doesn't look as impressive. Miami certainly doesn't look as impressive. And of course, you have the losses. You get destroyed by Mississippi State. I'm sorry. Mississippi State's really good. I like them in the preseason too. You can't lose to Mississippi State by three scores. You can't lose to App State under any circumstances ever when you're a $9 million a year head coach in your fifth year. The Alabama loss is excusable, but even them, they had the backup quarterback, right? So one, it's just a win-loss record. Two, where I think it becomes especially frustrating, offense is supposed to be the area of Jimbo Fisher's strength. And I talked about this with Brent Venables the other day. People say I'm crazy to think that Brent Venables, Oklahoma should consider firing him and starting over. Here's the thing, though. Look at Brent Venables. The area of strength is the defense. They're getting gashed on defense. It'd be one thing for Oklahoma if they lost on Saturday to Texas, you know, 17-3, to and the defense was great. They just couldn't move the ball because they had a backup quarterback. But they didn't have a backup. But, but the defense was terrible. They gave up 49 points, and it's the same with Jimbo Fisher. Year five, $90 million contract, $9 million a year. 
You're supposed to be able to put a competent offense on the field. And don't tell me that the playbook is too complicated. If it's too complicated, pare it down. Pare it down. Make it easier. As I said the other day, I think you got to go with Connor Wegman. But independent of that, it doesn't really matter. If the playbook is tough, pare it down. Make it easier. That's coaching. What did we just talk about a minute ago with Jim Knowles, the Ohio State defensive coordinator? It's one thing to have talent. It's another thing to put that talent in position to succeed. Jimbo Fisher, figure it out. And the third reason why I think A&M is by far the most disappointing team. It's because Saturday against Alabama shows they're good enough to beat anybody. Like talent is obviously not an issue. We all follow recruiting rankings. We talked about that recruiting class all offseason long. But I bring it up to say very simply, talent is not an issue. And we saw what this team can be. If we could get the Alabama effort every single game, one, Texas A&M certainly would have beaten App State. Uh, Mississippi State would have been more competitive. They would have easily taken care of Miami at home. And maybe Arkansas wouldn't have been as close. Arkansas probably should have won that game, period. And so if you get me the Alabama effort, as I said on Monday's show, there's a scenario where this team can be can win its next six games and finish the year 9-3, and three, which is kind of what we had them pay for in the preseason. But can I get that effort every day? And if I don't get that effort every day, what's going to happen? You're going to get smoked by Ole Miss, probably lose to Florida at home. Auburn's probably a win. LSU's probably a toss-up. I need to know if I can get that effort every day. And part of that is coaching. And so you look at the win-loss record. You look at the offense struggling especially, and you look at the talent on that roster. AM is by far the most disappointing team to me. Let's keep it going. Biggest midseason storyline that isn't really a story but could be, and it's something to monitor going forward. It's Texas, and it's not just Texas. It's this element on Texas. It is this idea. What if Quinn Ewers never got hurt? Now, look, I understand. It's football. Injuries happen at the college level, at the pro level, at the amateur level, at the youth level. I get that. High school, whatever. It's going to happen. Bryce Young's hurt. You know, Max Johnson's hurt. Will Levis is hurt. Injuries happen. KJ Jefferson was out. Now he's back in. Still, I think it's worth considering what would Texas be right now if Quinn Ewers never got hurt. Why is that? Well, because they're really awesome with Quinn Ewers in the lineup. Take care of business in their opener. We all watched that Alabama game. They were in control of that game. They were the better team. And I know they were at home and this, that. The other thing we don't know could have happened over four quarters. They were in complete control, and they still almost won the game without them. On top of that, the Texas Tech loss that they had, credit Texas Tech. This isn't to tear down Texas Tech. But let's call a spade a spade. Texas Tech won in overtime on a last-minute field goal, or a field goal in overtime. Quinn Ewers is playing. Texas is probably winning that game. And so why I think the story is fascinating, let's just talk about it out loud. If Texas does what it's supposed to do, and again, they're three and two, four and two, I guess they are now. And I get it. We can't go back and undo injuries. But if Quinn Ewers plays, they're probably six and oh with a win over Alabama. That sounds to me. I don't know if we'd put them at number one. I don't know if we'd jump them all the way over Georgia. I don't know if we'd jump them all the way over Ohio State. I think they'd be at worst number three in the country right now. Now, we don't know. We'll never know. And I think Texas, as we look at the second half of the season, and maybe this is what I'll do next week, the biggest second half storylines, maybe on our wide open Wednesday, I'll do that in the second half, second half storylines. I think the biggest storyline to follow 
What happens with Texas over the second half of the year? Because with Texas, it's never been about what they do against Oklahoma, whether they're ready to play against Oklahoma in the big games. It's how do they handle themselves in some of those smaller, less marquee games. Well, you got Iowa State this weekend. You want to prove you're not the normal Texas. You're not the Texas that we say is back, but you're not really back. Go beat Iowa State 40 to 17. Like that's a win you can have. 40 to 17. You can beat Iowa State by that. By the way, you got Oklahoma State a week from now before you're by. Go to Oklahoma State and win. Show us. Because it's kind of what I just said with Texas AM. This Texas team can win every game left on their schedule. Now it's not going to be easy. They got TCU still, who's ranked and really good. They got Baylor still, and they got a trip to Oklahoma State. Kansas State's not going to be easy. Texas has historically really struggled with Kansas. Every Longhorn fan knows what I'm talking about. I don't think they're going to run the table from here. I do think, though, that if Quinn Ewers had been in the lineup from the beginning, that is a team that is in the top three and is the best story in college football. Let's wrap the segment. My midseason college football playoff picks. Okay, let's get to my midseason college football playoff picks. First, I'm going to give you the teams that are right on the cusp. I don't believe the Big 12 will have a representative because I just think everybody's going to beat up on everybody else. The only two undefeated teams remaining, Oklahoma State and TCU. Kansas State is 5-1. Texas, as I just said, is 4-2. Kansas is, of course, 5-1. There's just so many good teams, and they're all going to beat up on each other. I don't think a Big 12 team gets in. I kind of get the same sense from the Pac-12. I really like UCLA. I really like uh, uh, USC. Utah probably is out of the picture. Oregon is not, though. And I think it's going to be really interesting. Remember, Oregon and UCLA play still. Obviously, Utah and Oregon play. Utah could pull off the upset. USC does not play Oregon, but USC has a trip to Utah and UCLA on the road as well. And so you look at kind of how all those games match up. And remember, by the way, the Pac-12 championship game, it's the top two teams this year. It's not North versus South. It's not Oregon or Washington versus USC, UCLA, or uh, Utah. So you then have to get through another tough game where let's say UCLA and USC are undefeated when they play each other. I don't think it's going to happen. But if they are, then you might have to play them again two weeks later. So I don't think a Pac-12 team gets in. So with it, I'm going to go with my number four of Georgia. I am going to assume that, um, you know, pigs do not fly and that Tennessee does not beat Alabama and Georgia to win the East. Now, they don't have to beat both to win the East. But when I look at Georgia, you know, what it comes down to is pretty straightforward. I I don't think they're great. I I don't think they're certainly as good as last year. And I do think they've kind of kind of hit a lull, if you will. Right now, the good news for Georgia, their bye is coming up here soon. They obviously play this coming week uh, against uh, who they play. They play Vandy, then they get their bye, and then obviously they play the cocktail party. Uh, their final four, though, are not easy. Tennessee at home, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky. We assume Will Levis will be back by that game. But I look at Georgia. Georgia's my number four team because I, I just think for them to not make the playoff, like like the SEC East champ, whether it's Georgia or Tennessee, and I st- I'm still going to pick Georgia, you got to understand – Like, we're going to get two SEC teams probably in this college football playoff unless one of them has two losses. And so for Georgia not to get into the college football playoff, they can get to the SEC championship game undefeated, play Alabama. Even if they lose, they still get to the 14 playoff, I would think. So I'm going to have Georgia at number four because I don't think they're losing to Tennessee at home and to Alabama in the SEC championship game. And if they win 
Uh, as long as they beat Tennessee and get to the title game, I think they'll be okay. I have them at number four. Number three, I have Clemson. Clemson's really interesting to me because when I look at Clemson, um, I just am amazed nobody's talking about them because they were the team that we all like. Dabo's another one of those guys I always talk about. Nobody really likes Dabo. He speaks too much. Little Clemson, blah, 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 blah. He starts nonsense in the media. And so they were kind of the program that we left for dead, right? Went 10 and three last year. Oh, they're on the decline. Dabo doesn't believe in the transfer portal. They'll never win again. Well, won a shootout against Wake Forest, won a defensive struggle for most of the game against NC State, and went on the road and beat a good Boston College team last week. And so, look, they got a tough game coming up this weekend when they play uh, when they play uh, Florida State, excuse me. And, oh, by the way, they you know, all of a sudden, don't laugh. Syracuse is 6-0 and and ranked in the top 25. They host Syracuse next week. So you talk about the schedule ain't over yet. They still have at Florida State, at Syracuse at home. Uh, they get a bye, and then they play at Notre Dame. And they wrap with Miami and South Carolina. They do not have an easy path. But why I'm talking about Clemson. They still have a lot of tough games, but they're winning games multiple ways, right? Like I said, we left them for dead. They're not deep enough. They're not talented enough. They're not skilled enough. Well, they've won shootouts. They've won close, low-scoring games. The defense has been great some nights. The defense has been bad other nights. The offense has been great when it's needed to be. I think they're maybe the most under-talked about really good team in college football. Little old Clemson Dabo is my number three team in the college football playoff. Number two is Alabama. Listen, I'm recording here on on Tuesday night. Maybe Bryce Young doesn't play. And it, once we get word on Bryce Young, I think we're going to get more context. I can't pick against Alabama, even at Tennessee, assuming that Bryce Young plays. And maybe we get more information, and maybe I change my pick. But right now, I think Bryce Young's going to play. And if he plays, that's a really good Alabama team. It'll be the best pass rush that Tennessee has seen to this point. It'll be the best secondary that Tennessee has seen to this point. It'll be the best pass uh, offense that they've seen to this point, and their secondary has struggled. I like Alabama to beat Tennessee if Bryce Young plays. And so if Alabama wins that game, I think they're going to run the table because I don't think anybody left on their schedule outside of maybe Ole Miss is really going to give them all that much trouble. And I think they're going to get to the SEC championship game, and I think Georgia is going to be uh, a team that they play and beat. What I would say about that, get to the college football playoff. I have them as the number two because I have Ohio State at number one. I know the Big Ten isn't as good. I know the wins are going to look great for Bama. But I think because of the close win over Texas and the close win over Texas te- Texas A&M, if Ohio State steamrolls everybody, they're going to earn that number one seed. And I think they will. I'm not sold on Michigan. We'll talk Michigan and Penn State on, on, uh, on uh, tomorrow's show Thursday. And then also worth noting, we'll talk a little bit about Penn State as well. Penn State uh, does have to uh, – Ohio State does have to go to Penn State, so that won't be an easy one. But to me, I think Ohio State's going to run the table, going to be the number one seed, and then we are going to get a Bama-Ohio State national championship game. So I just told you a minute ago, Ohio State is the best team in college football right now. So they must be my midseason national championship pick, right? Not really. And let me explain why. I think they're the best team right now. I think they're really good. We get a lot of downloads in Ohio. I assume many of you are Buckeye fans. This is not to say that Ohio State's bad, the Big Ten sucks, the SEC rules, SEC, SEC. That's not what we're doing right now. What I am saying, though, is this. I think Alabama, I said before the season, I thought this was the best team in the country. I thought there was a gap. And I think they were just rounding into form when Bryce Young got hurt. Think about the Arkansas game. 
They're up 21-0, and they look awesome. They have the best pass rush in college football with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Jameer Gibbs has turned into a bona fide star. And as I said, they found a couple real receivers prior to Bryce Young's injury and Isaiah Bond and also Kobe Prentice. And so when I look at Alabama, I thought they were the most complete team coming in. It took them longer than I thought. And I think they're the most complete team by the end of the year. Now that all hinges on Bryce Young being healthy, Bryce Young playing, Bryce Young not missing Tennessee, Bryce Young also, by the way, not missing Mississippi State the week after or Ole Miss late in the year. I think Tennessee, I, I don't think Alabama is the best team in the country right now. I do think they'll be the best team by the end of the year. I believe they will win a national championship at SoFi Stadium. All right, that's what I want to do. Do want to take a quick break. Do want to come back really quickly, hit on Matt Rule. Matt Rule, former Carolina Panthers head coach. He got fired. What does it mean? Is he going to come back to college football and why I think there's one really good job for him? I would also add, by the way, Lopez College Hoops News, Oscar Shibwe is going to undergo knee surgery. It doesn't seem major. We'll wrap on that. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to remind you about the NFL Pick'em Challenge, the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge presented by our friends at Bracket Fanatics. They're giving away so much free cash, I don't even know what to tell you, okay? So here's the deal. First of all, if you have not signed up, make sure to do so. Go to BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket. The Bracket name is Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. If you have already signed up, make sure to make your week six picks, obviously starting Thursday night, Washington playing Chicago. For those, for those of you wondering, what do I sign up? Why do I do it? What's the deal? What's the catch? First of all, completely free to enter. That's the best part. Second of all, we are giving away $100 weekly winners. We've given away four so far. We'll name our week five winner later in the week. And here's the best part. That goes on all season. So sign up for this week. Sign up for next week. Sign up for the week after. Every week you enter, make picks straight up, no against the spread, no nothing, you're automatically entered to win a $100 cash prize. We are also giving away a $1,000 season-long cash prize for the person with the most total correct picks. So even if you signed up late, it's not too late. Get in the action, sign up now, make a bunch of correct picks, you are entered to win a $1,000 cash prize. That's the deal. Bracketfanatics.com, join Bracket. Bracket name Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. Do that. $100 weekly winners. We'll name our week five winner later this week. $1,000 season long cash prize. We want to thank Bracket Fanatics for everything they've done for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Bracketfanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to. Switch gears and talk a little bit about a topic that we talk about quite a bit this time of year. That is the college football coaching carousel. Now, we're not going to do, to quote, you know, Rod Tidwell from Jerry Maguire, we're not going to do what you all think we're going to do, which is talk about somebody that got fired, somebody that got hired, whatever, at least not at the college level. We know that as of right now, there are five jobs that are open. More are expected, including Auburn. But as I record, Brian Harson is still gainfully employed by Auburn University. And so what I want to do is switch gears to the NFL, where we got a very interesting name now suddenly available. That is Matt Rule. He was, as I record, 24 hours ago, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. But after a one in four start to the season, after two disastrous years, Matt Rule was fired by the Carolina Panthers. But just because Matt Rule did not make it as an NFL head coach, 
It does not mean that in a different life, he was not a very, very, very good college football coach. And so with Matt Rule now available, he is going to be the apple of the eye of every program that is hiring a head coach this offseason, along with the usual names, Deion Sanders, Hugh Freeze, you know, if you can get Lane Kiffin away, whatever. But what I would tell you is that I do believe that there is one spot that Matt Rule would be absolutely perfect for, and it's a spot that has to make a move right now. I am talking about the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and if you are Nebraska, do not wait Make that call today. If you got to get on a plane and help him clean out his office in Carolina, you do it. I believe this guy is the perfect fit for Nebraska, the perfect coach, and the guy that they have to go get regardless of the money involved. And there will be a lot of money involved, as we'll discuss in a minute. First of all, before we even get into the Nebraska element of it, you're going to hear people over the next couple of days, oh, he's not that good of a coach, blah, blah, blah. He's a very good coach. I do think that what we learned from the Matt Rule experiment in the NFL is pretty straightforward. People are going to say, oh, it's because he's a college coach. College coaches don't work. The guy was overrated all along, whatever. No, the reason that Matt Rule didn't work, it's pretty straightforward. He never found a quarterback. And I think increasingly more and more in the NFL, if you do not have the right quarterback, you're not going to win. Point blank, end of story, it does not matter. And so, you know, you go from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield. It just has not worked. And I think this is an important lesson for all of not just college coaches, but anybody thinking about taking a head coaching job in the NFL, if you don't have that elite quarterback, you might as well not even apply. Don't even bother showing up because you're not going to win. There's a reason that Sean Payton has said, when I go back to the NFL, it's going to be about ownership. It's going to be about the front office and it's going to be about the quarterback. And my guess is that if he put them in order, quarterback would actually be number one. So don't buy that Matt Rule forgot how to coach or he was overrated all, all along. No, he's a really good coach. There was a reason that everybody wanted him three years ago when he went to the NFL And there's a reason now when he comes back to college, if he does indeed decide to do so, that he should be and will be the hottest candidate. This guy is very much, especially at the college level, he was excellent in two stops as a head coach in college, okay? He goes to Temple, year one, not good, one and 11. By year three, they won 10 games. And then he followed it up a year later, by the way, with 10 more wins at Temple. After that 2012, what was it, 2013 season, 2012 season, whatever it was, maybe even a little bit later, he ends up leaving Temple and he goes to Baylor. And I'll tell you, at the time I said, I don't know if that's the right fit, Northeast guy, Baylor, whatever. And if you remember, he inherited a dumpster fire at Baylor. This was post-Art Bryles. So again, the 2014, 2015 range, you had all sorts of criminal activity. You had just really just bad behavior across the board. I'm not going to relitigate all of it, but you can go back and see all, all the things that were going on in the program. It was absolute chaos. Matt Rule inherits a dumpster fire. And by year three, so he goes one and 11 in year one. By year two, he wins seven games to get Baylor Bowl eligible. Do you remember what he did in year three? Do you remember what he did in year three? He played for a Big Ten cha- or a Big 12 championship, excuse me, played for a Big 12 championship, and they were 11 and one going into that game. Meaning if he won the Big 12 championship game in year three, Baylor would have gone to the college football playoff. Now they did lose to Oklahoma. It is worth noting in overtime of the Big 12 championship game. So you talk about right on the brink of being in the playoff. They were almost the four seed that year in 2019. Instead, they lose, they go to the Sugar Bowl, they lose to Georgia, and he goes off to the NFL. But just think about what I just said. From 1-11 in year one, 
to 11 and one in year three in a total complete rebuild. And what I love about what he did there was he wasn't too prideful that I have to do it my way and this is how we're going to do it. No, he went to Texas. He hired a bunch of Texas people, people with Texas roots, most notably Joey McGuire, who's now the head coach at Texas Tech. And he said, let's build us a program. And oh, by the way, a lot of the players that were on the Baylor team that won the Big 12 last year under Dave Aranda, I'm not saying Dave Aranda can't coach. What I am saying is Matt Rule left the cupboard full. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver for the Patriots. JT Woods, All-American last year. Those were guys recruited by Matt Rule that were left over that turned into a Big 12 champion. And so Matt Rule can coach. Matt Rule is the best candidate available unless you believe Urban Meyer is available. And if I am Nebraska... You have to make the move right now because he checks every single box for you if you were Nebraska. Just think about it. He's a program builder. He's coached all over the country. You know, there's this notion that, you know, you can't win at Nebraska, no natural recruiting base. Well, he recruited well in the Northeast. He recruited well in the Southwest. Uh, He's going to recruit well at Nebraska. Program builder. He's got a plan. He's got an identity. You know who you are. He kind of coaches in a way that I think would, you know, there's some physicality involved, but some spread. He he coaches in a way that I think would be really well received at Nebraska. And I just think this is the perfect time for him to go to Nebraska for two reasons. One, if you hire him soon. Now, me personally, I'd be on a plate in Carolina with a couple cardboard boxes if I was Trev Alberts, uh, helping him pack up that, that, uh, you know, that, that office of his. But even if you, even if you're a little more patient, You want to hire him soon for a pretty straightforward reason. You hire him soon, he can go on the road and start recruiting for you like right now. He can also evaluate your staff. And so you're talking about a guy that could potentially get a six-week head start on this thing. This is why you fire Scott Frost in September. This is why you try to make a hire if the right fit is there in October. Because that guy can go on the road and recruit for five five weeks Excuse me, in the lead-up to signing day. He can be in high schools. He can be on the road. He doesn't have to worry about planning for practice. He doesn't have to worry about media availability. He can also evaluate the coaches that are currently on the staff. He can evaluate the roster as it currently is. And if you think about what he did at Baylor, from 1-11 to 11-1, he did that in the pre-transfer portal, pre-NIL world. And that's why I think Nebraska is really the only job that makes sense for him. Auburn, I'll be honest, I know Auburn isn't technically open, they're, yeah, he doesn't feel Auburn to me. Um, Colorado can't afford him. Wisconsin, I think, wants to go with Jim Leonard. Arizona State can't afford him. Uh, who else? Georgia Tech. I mean, is he going to go to Georgia Tech? I, I, I guess he could. Atlanta, whatever. I don't think it makes a ton of sense there. But Nebraska, a guy from Pennsylvania that's coached in the Big Ten footprint already when he was at Temple. Temple's not in the Big Ten, but they're in the Big Ten footprint. It makes sense with recruiting ties again to the Midwest and the Southwest in Texas. And so to me, it's just an absolute no-brainer. Get him in right now, program builder. And in the NIL portal world, I believe he can flip this thing pretty quickly. On top of that, I, listen, I just think he's the perfect fit. But what I would say as I start to wrap up is it's not going to be easy to get him. Because I will say that Adam Schefter threw out a very interesting nugget as it pertains to Matt Rule uh, on Twitter following his firing. So Adam Schefter from ESPN, he put out that Matt Rule, as part of his firing, will be owed $40 million in buyout money. $40 million in buyout money. By the way, that makes college buyouts look like nothing. Scott Frost, $15 million to go away. Yeah, whatever. They got paid $40 million to go away. So chances are pretty good this guy doesn't want to rush back into coaching after getting fired. And so that's why I do think if you're Nebraska, you can't insult him with an offer. 
You got This is big boy football now. Big boy coaching opportunity for with a big boy coach. You got to go out there and make him the proverbial offer that he can't refuse. Okay. Remember, we live in a world where college football coaches now get paid ten plus million dollars a year. Kirby Smart, well over ten million. Dabo, well over ten million. Nick Saban, well over ten million. And I'm not saying Matt Rule is one of those guys, but Brian Kelly got ten million to go to LSU. Can he have no, uh, Nebraska in the top 15, top 12, top 10 within year three, year four? I think so. So this to me is almost like a Brian Kelly to LSU type deal. I know he's not as a, uh, accomplished as Brian Kelly was in college, but it's that kind of deal. Brian Kelly makes about $9 million, $9.5 million a year. Mel Tucker, by the way, makes $9.5 million a year. So don't tell me you can't come up with the money, especially when you're in Nebraska. Remember, Nebraska just paid Scott Frost $15 million to go away. They paid him an extra $7.5 million to fire him before October 1st just to get him out of the building. On top of that, you're going to get $70-plus plus million a year for, just from TV money starting in 2024. And so to me, this is a no-brainer. This is a move that has to be made, and I don't think you can wait if you're Nebraska. And if you're Nebraska, don't go low. Don't go cheap. Don't go whatever. Don't try to – don't penny pinch. Go in. If I was Trev Albert, this is what I'd do. I won't even ask my boosters. I mean, you probably should ask your boosters. Ten years, $100 million. Ten years, $100 million. I just say, that's, that's our starting point. Is, is that cool with you? Let's get rocking. You're going to build Nebraska. We're going to build you a statue. I don't care what happened in Carolina. Our fans don't have what happened in Carolina. We're going to build you a freaking statue at Nebraska. Let's get to work. Let's get going. Worth noting, by the way, again, Nebraska, I'm telling you, this job in the 12-team playoff uh, era with the transfer portal and NIL, I believe they can be a top 15 team. I believe they can make multiple playoff appearances as the second, third, fourth best team in the Big Ten. This is a good job. This is a better job than it was when Scott Frost took over a few years ago. It's not BAM. It's not LSU. It's not USC. It's not Ohio State. But it's a good job. You got time. The right candidate is out there. Make the move, Nebraska. You will not regret it. All right, let's go ahead and wrap the show uh, with just a little tiny bit of College Hoops news. Now, College Hoops, incredibly, it's like 30 days away. I mean, we're talking under a month until the start of the college basketball season. So it's coming fast. And we did get a piece of news on Tuesday afternoon via John Calipari in Kentucky. Uh, and had to do with Oscar Sheboy, the National Player of the Year. For people who don't really pay attention to the College Hoops calendar, uh, Kentucky had their pro day earlier this week. It's a, a, something a lot of these programs have done. Kentucky started about probably eight, nine years ago, uh, bringing NBA scouts to campus, getting an up-close-and-in-person look at all these players. Um, now, you know, everybody else does one too. But why I bring it up was because Kentucky had theirs on Sunday. Oscar Shibwe participated, but apparently, unfortunately, he did so with a knee brace. And then we found out on Tuesday that John Calipari announced that Oscar Shibwe will, in fact, undergo a minor knee surgery following the pro day. Now, I don't think the pro day had anything to do with it, but here is John Calipari's uh, exact tweet and exact quote. I have good news and I have bad news. Good news is Oscar had an unbelievable performance at pro day and the scouts loved what they saw. He came back to develop his game and be a more complete player. And that's exactly what he displayed Sunday night. They loved it. Here's the bad news. The bad news is I kept him out of practice Saturday with knee stuff. He refused to sit out for pro day and balled out. I made him sit out Monday and get examined as a precaution. He's going to have a minor 15-minute procedure to clean some things up. So look, obviously, a month before the season starts, you don't want your national player of the year uh, undergoing knee surgery. 
But what I would tell you, just really quick, we don't have very many details right now. It's all fuzzy. But what I can tell you is this. Um, had two, two knee surgeries. No big deal. High school football injuries, whatever. Ladies, call me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm here. Uh, but had, had two knee surgeries. And what I can tell you is there are very serious knee surgeries, and you kind of know what they are. But there are very simple ones as well. And I, I, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, I had a knee surgery where there was a minor thing going on. I don't know if it took 15 minutes, but what I can tell you is less than two weeks later, I was back doing literally that later that week, I was back at the gym working out, doing whatever. Now I wasn't squatting, you know, a thousand pounds or anything, but you know, I was back doing normal stuff. And there are a lot of procedures where it's minor, it's quick, it's efficient. You can be back to doing stuff three, four, five days and really probably within two weeks really ramp back up. So if I was a Kentucky fan, I would not worry. I did see that TJ Beisner, their ops guy, uh, who handles a lot of stuff behind the scenes for John Calipari, tweeted out a picture of Oscar Sheebway riding a bike. Um, so, and like a literally a bike, like not a bike on the sidelines, like he was riding a bike. Um, and so what that says to me, this isn't a big deal. Everything's going to be okay. Kentucky, obviously their first marquee game is against Michigan State uh, in that Champions Classic. It is not the opening night like usual. But it is, uh, of course, early in the season. First Tuesday of the season, I believe. So we're going to get a look at Kentucky really early. And then, of course, they also play Gonzaga early. And uh, we'll find out a lot about Oscar Sheboy. But glad to see that it does not appear to be major uh, and hope everything is okay. With that said, do think it is time for me to get out of here. Before I do, I want to remind you, if you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click that subscribe button. Click the little bell. Get notifications. Do your boy a solid. Do your boy a solid. You can watch the videos there as well. Many of you have. We're closing in on 14,000 subscribers. Please appreciate your support there. Uh, make sure you're following on social media. At Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. At Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com for questions for the show. And I should mention, by the way, we have our Torres on accounts, which are blowing up. We have so many smart, young, talented guys running them. We got Torres on UK for Kentucky, Torres on the Vols. You think that count account isn't humming heading into this weekend against Alabama? Torres on Bama, Torres on the Hogs, Torres on Auburn, who does, Matt does a great job with that one, Torres on AM, Torres on Kentucky. Kentucky, I said that one, Indiana, UConn, Arizona. Make sure to subscribe, follow those, follow your favorite team if you have not done so. Combination of news, notes, whatever. And then, of course, when I talk about your team, you'll get that information first. With that said, it is time for me to get out of here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Fun week, fun time of year. I'm so fired up, man. College Hoops is coming. College football is here. Best weekend of the year in college football coming and fr Thursday show is going to be crazy. Friday show is going to be crazy as well. So with that said, I'm going to get out of here. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Call me, bro. Unblock me, bro. What are you doing? I'll be back on Thursday, the almost Friday episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast on Thursday. I will talk to you all then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.